The Blue Jackets lose another game they probably should have won, but it's not all gloom and doom. Uh, we're talking to Laura Saba of Locked On Canadians today about just how weird and stupid that game was. Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms. We are over on YouTube and also the SiriusXM app. I also have to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app, use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to go up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. This is, of course, Locked On Blue Jackets. I am your host, Jay Foster. No Hayden today. He'll be back uh, tomorrow with a special bonus episode that we did. Uh, so we'll, uh, I'm excited about that, personally. So I will uh, leave that to tomorrow's me to talk about. Today, uh, I'm here to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, Lockton... Lockton Canadians is in town, or we're in their town, technically. So I did a crossover edition, a squadcast with Laura Saba of Lockton Canadians. We talk about the game, we talk about some of the Canadians, uh, we talk about the Blue Jackets' young talent. Laura says lots of very nice things about Adam Fantilli. It's uh, it's a fun time. So I will just uh, get right into my conversation with Laura about tonight's game. Uh, so, Jay, thank you so much, first of all, for agreeing to join me. I know you're on vacation, um, and I kind of wrote you into this, uh, but I'm just I'm just so happy to talk to you, and I'm so excited that we have quite a wild game to recap today. How are you doing? Yeah, lots, lots happened in that game. <laughs> um, I'm also super excited to record this because it has been a minute. Um, <laughs> continually funny to me that Scott keeps being out of town. I think he's, like, avoiding me. <laughs> um, I think that's 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 what's going on. But uh, I am I'm doing okay. I am in Cincinnati right now, and that game was just real stupid from start to finish. Right? <laughs> it was a little bit crazy, um, and it was something where honestly it felt like here we go again. And to be honest, to be fair to the Montreal Canadiens, for the last little while they've had a really good first period. And then their second and third period have kind of gone off the rails in terms of the underlying numbers, in terms of the metrics. Um, this one was kind of the opposite of that. So I first wanted to kind of get a little bit of an idea of what you expected from this game, because from my perspective, I just expected abject disaster. Um, I mean, this is about what I expected. Uh, we do predictions on, on Locked on Blue Jackets. So we try and predict who's going to score the first goal and what the final score is going to be. Uh, and I did predict a 4-3 win for the Blue Jackets, so I like wasn't super far off. And <laughs> um, I definitely taken the over on goals just because I don't trust Cole Caulfield not to go sicko mode. Um, and the Blue Jackets have been pretty good at scoring goals recently. So like it was about what I expected. I didn't expect all of the like attempted murder in the mm. first period. Um, and I didn't expect the Blue Jackets to be like so dominant in the first period and then just completely fall apart over the course of the second period before I think genuinely dying on the ice in the third period um, and I haven't looked to see what their overtime numbers were uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and assume that they were not oh yeah they dominated at overtime and then <laughs> lost obviously because uh. that's how this works you know 
this was real. That's really funny because while I was watching, I didn't necessarily feel that they dominated overtime, but I kept getting the feeling that they deserved to win, right? Like Columbus deserved to win. And Montreal kind of took that away from them. But I did, like, I did want to point out that both of these teams are rebuilding teams and they're kind of, it turns out, rebuilding at the same time. Like, I would say that Columbus has maybe a year and a half to two year head start, but it feels like fits and spurts a little bit. And it kind of feels like that because of the injuries, kind of like how Montreal's last year went. And I know uh, you and I talked about it last year. We talked about it, we referenced it on this show, how last year, right out of the gate, there were a lot of key injuries on both teams. At some point, there were def defensemen on the Blue Jackets where like the longest tenured one was what? Like he played like a season and a half, if I if I remember so correctly. So the longest tenured Blue Jacket was, uh, at, at certain points during the season, the longest tenured Blue Jacket was Andrew Peake, who I think at the time had played about 170 NHL games and is like 25 years of age. So that's a, there you that's go. what we're dealing with, you know? <laughs> Well, at some point, I mean, at this point right now, Mike Matheson is the only like genuinely tenured uh, NHL defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens. Everyone else is young and or injured. Um, so I like I feel like the trajectory is kind of uh, being interrupted. It's not, I don't want to say it's similar. Like I feel like in, on both on, on both sides, it's being interrupted. And I know we're going to get into the young talent a little bit more in the second period. This is kind of disjointed because there's so many questions I want to ask. There's so much I want to talk about with respect to Columbus. Like we haven't even touched on Adam Fentil yet, and and I'm obsessed. So let's let's get back to this game real quick. Um, what would you say the the Blue Jackets did well? Um, on the ice because I thought even strength the Canadians were really good and I feel like their special teams even though they tend to look abysmal in general looked a lot better this game than they have in the last couple of games but I, I you know I could be a bit biased there yeah I think both teams the power play was great and the penalty kill was kind of suspect if I'm not misremembering I think the Blue Jackets had two power play goals and I believe the Canadians also had two power play goals they had at least one Mm -hmm. um so power play good on both sides um i thought the blue jackets were fine at uh at even strength um especially again first period they were great second period they were kind of middling third period actively bad um i thought the power play like I, that was excellent um penalty kill extremely poor i thought it's good it's gonna sound stupid uh, i thought goaltending was was very good um especially for elvis um i think he ended up making like 25 of 29 saves or something which doesn't sound great he allowed four goals on less than 30 shots and but... if you look at the percentage it's 852 right it doesn't yeah, look great it's not you know it's it's not what i would could like look at the numbers and be like oh this this was a great performance from him but it was another case of okay well it was two power play goals um the first goal was just a real stupid turnover that david severson just like his brain blue screened on it and he just didn't do anything <laughs> as Nick Suzuki scored and then like in overtime um it's Cole Caulfield what are you gonna do about it so like he's had a couple of those games where he's played really well and like yeah the Blue Jackets needed one to two more saves from him but I'm not there were a lot of games last year where I, I came away from them thinking wow if Elvis had been better we would have won that game that like he was he was good enough to win this game and the team in front of him just decided actually we don't want to kill penalties <laughs> um, so we'll just we'll just not do that um okay <laughs> cool bye i think the difference between columbus and montreal is montreal's like well columbus is like oh we're not going to kill penalties today 
you know, maybe not F that today. Uh, Montreal is just kind of like, well, we want to, we just, how do you do this? All of a sudden they forget even how to skate if they're on the penalty kill. But I absolutely adore that you said, it's cool Caulfield. What are you going to do about it? Because that's how I feel. (laughs) I love him. I just, and also like real quick to go back to Nick Suzuki, obviously he struggled a little bit out of the gate to the point where people were asking Martin St. Louis about it. And Martin St. Louis said that he's not the type of person to like use the media to call out his player, but you know, Suzuki needs, knows that he needs to be better. They've had those conversations. I'm assuming they're going to continue. I think the problem with Nick Suzuki really was expectation more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's necessarily been quiet. I think he just hasn't been trying the right things. And maybe he's, he, he has a lot of, he puts a lot of pressure on himself. Like he's very, very intense about this kind of thing. I thought that in this game, he was markedly better than I expected. I was, yeah, I was very impressed with, with Nick Suzuki in this game. I mean, like, I generally speaking, I'm impressed with Nick Suzuki. I think he's a really underrated player. Um, and he was, I believe, second in all situations in shot attempts for on, on the team, or um, course four percentage, whichever one you want to call it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like Nick Suzuki a whole bunch. And I think the thing is that, like, some players are just slow starters. You know, like, you know, um, Henrik Lundqvist who obviously a completely different situation, but it felt like he was always kind of a slow starter. And there'd be that talk every season of like, oh, it's November and his stats aren't good. What's, you know, is he getting old? Is he washed or whatever? And then between November and April, he would just like be incredible. So like, sometimes players are just slow slow to get out of the gate. You know, it, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Nick Suzuki is still very young, but he's getting older. Um, and so I think it is just a case of he's kind of learning, okay, I don't need to go hell for leather, like right out of the gate, like some of the younger kids do. Um, but yeah, this, this game felt like a good sign that that's the, that's the Nick Suzuki that the Canadians are going to need down the road. And I do want to point out as well, because a lot of people were kind of sort of writing it off. He was like this in his first season as well. In his first season, people were like, why do the Canadians even get this guy? And now you look at the, that that trade with Vegas, and it's an absolute highway robbery fleecing thing. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about not just this game, but the Columbus Blue Jackets in general, because I do want to know a lot about their players. I want to talk very much about Adam Fantilli. Maybe let's just have a whole segment about Adam Fantilli. Um, and that's all coming up in just one moment in this special crossover edition of Locked On Canadians and Locked On Blue Jackets. But first, this episode is brought to you by Parkview Advance. As a business owner, you realize there are times when receivables might fall behind, but that doesn't mean you need to fall behind on vendor payments, payroll, or rent. For more than 25 years, Parkview Advance has helped businesses secure working capital from $5,000 to $1.5 million. Parkview Advance can approve your working capital in as little as 24 hours. It's a much easier process than you might imagine. We invite the many entrepreneurs that are locked on NHL fans to learn more by calling us at 203-675-0071 or go to parkviewadvance.com. If your business needs working capital, call Parkview Advance today. Parkview Advance, helping businesses with their working capital. Go to parkviewadvance.com. All right, so let's get into the Columbus Blue Jackets and um, your terrible, terrible children. (laughs) I want to start first with Adam Fantilli, obviously. That was something where, um, did it feel 
like something generational was falling into your lap without anybody even have to try anything. When the Ducks drafted Leo Carlson, I was in a hotel room um, in London and I sat on the bed and I cackled like an absolute maniac um, because I'd heard the rumblings, I'd heard the whispers, I'd convinced myself it was wishful thinking. Um, I'd heard that the Blue Jackets ranking was Fantilli and then Will Smith and then Leo Carlson. So I was preparing myself that we were going to draft Will Smith third overall and I was going to have to be mad about it, like no shade to Will Smith, but... I was going to have to be mad about it. Um, and this is not like a knock on Leo Carlson. I think Leo Carlson is a phenomenal young player. I think he's going to be the best player on the Ducks for a very long time. Um, however, getting Adam Fantilli and like just watching him play over the past, what, seven games, he's exactly as advertised. And he is, uh, we just talked about this today, actually, in a, an interview with someone else. He might be the best player in franchise history. And, like, we're trying to temper our expectations, but, like, this is what I imagine watching, like, young Rick Nash was like. You know, I was, it was before my time because I'm a baby. Um, <laughs> but, like, that, this is what I, I just, every time he's on the ice, I just get so excited. I'm like, what's this kid going to do next? Like, he has three, he had three points in his last two games before tonight. And, you know, he was just getting better and better and better. And it feels like, Every game we figure something new out about the the NHL and the way that the NHL plays, and he adapts. And I'm like, just so like, I can't talk about how excited I am because I do just keep going on and on and on about about this this kid who you know we're tempering our expectations. I'm not out here, you know. I, I like to joke about him winning the Calder, and I don't think you know Columbus is not automatically a playoff team with Fantilli, but between him and other young players taking steps forward with the goaltending being solidified with the defense made up of like actual defensemen and not babies and old men. Uh, it's, it's real exciting. And Adam Fantilli is kind of the, at the forefront of, of that excitement for me. Um, I do want to ask about some of the other young players, but uh, let's go back to Zach Wierenski for a second, who is no longer a young Columbus Blue Jacket. I think he would be considered one of the veterans at this point, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. I feel a million um, years a great old, game. But yes. <laughs> He's, I think, yeah. 25, 26. Yeah. So. Um, I'm, I was crumbling in a corner when you <laughs> mentioned you're a baby. So, like, we're not going to, like, focus too much on how old Zach Wierenski is. But he had a phenomenal game tonight. And I know we wanted to talk about that. So I just wanted to circle back real quick. I didn't realize how much this team had missed Zach Wierenski until he came back. Um, because Zach Wierenski got hurt, I believe, in the 13th game of last season. He was done for the season by mid-November, you know? Um, and I think you guys are kind of seeing that a little bit with the Kirby Dark injury, um, you know? Or imagine if, you know, if you lost Nick Suzuki at the beginning of the season and he was just done and you, were, you had to cope without him. Like, he's one of those players that you don't realize how good he is and all he what he does on the ice until he's not there anymore. And I didn't even really fully realize it until he came back this season. And I was like, oh, oh, that's what that's what this is like. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's a combination of he's just such a good defenseman that I think gets a bad rep because his contract is probably a little bigger than, than it needs to be. Like, just because he's not a $9.5 million defenseman every night does not mean that he's not a very, very good defenseman. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of a weird in-between thing, but he does the little things right. He can score, he can skate, uh, he's, you know, a more than competent defender, 
um, in terms of, you know, in, in defensive rankings on the team. But by him being here, it means that you can push guys back to their rightful positions. Like our first defense pairing last season was Andrew Peak and Eric Branson for like large part, like large part part of the season. Yeah, you don't need Eric Branson paying tw- you don't need him playing twenty seven minutes a night, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what he was doing near the end of last season. So he's playing, you know, fifteen, sixteen minutes a night. Looks like a whole new defenseman. Ivan Provorov. Uh, has been kind of getting a bad rep because uh, both of the overtime winners have kind of been his fault. Um, like, so the Blue Jackets lost to the Ducks in overtime on Tuesday night. Clear breakaway. Provorov did we could to get back. Wasn't enough. And then tonight, uh, he didn't do enough, in my opinion, in overtime. But for the most part, he's been very good for the Blue Jackets. Um, Damon Severson has, again, kind of quietly been excellent, apart from some gigantic brain farts that I think we saw in New Jersey as well, of he'd be very, very good, and then he would just completely, like, just shut down for a second and then reboot. But it's too <laughs> late. The mistakes already happened, you know? So he's been very good. And so it means that those guys don't have to play on the the, the that number one defense, um, especially Provorov. Provorov doesn't have to be the guy here because Wierenski's the guy. And so I think we got we get a better Provorov than they got in Philadelphia because he's in a more uh, ideal role on the second pairing. So it's kind of a, a knock-on effect of Zakarensky makes everyone better because he's a good person to play with. And with him eating all of those minutes, it means that we don't have to play players like Eric Branson or literal 19-year-olds uh, for, you know, 25 to 28 minutes a night. <laughs> Speaking of literal 19 year olds, we did uh, take a circle back into the defense. I did want to ask about uh, of the young prospects who have either uh, not yet made the Blue Jackets or are about to or have had you know a couple of games. Who do you think is an underrated player that we should be looking out for? Because I got to tell you, I did watch that New Jersey game. It was a bit frustrating um, at times, but um, I like I've been trying to choose exciting players and exciting teams to watch this year. So obviously I've been trying to get a little bit of Buffalo. I've been very curious about Detroit. Haven't had a chance to watch that much, but I, I'm trying to fall back in love with the idea of hockey teams with potential and promise. So who's an underrated or under the radar type player? Who would be your sleeper pick to be somebody to watch over the last, the next couple of years? Um, I mean, if the, like on the team right now, um, so David Yerichek got sent down at the end of training camp. He was not on the opening night roster. He got called up when Zacharenski got injured in the home opener because, again, this team is cursed and this is what happens. Um, played the two games that Warenski was out, and you look at that. You looked at the team, and there's just no excuse to take him out of the lineup. And so he's been in the lineup. I think this is his fifth straight game or his sixth sixth game. He's not going back to Cleveland. I don't think. Um, he is another one of those players that you can see, you can almost see him, and you could see this with Ken Johnson last season as well. You can almost see them like working it out on the ice. Like you can see things click in a way that's like really, really satisfying and really gratifying to watch. And so David Yerichek, I think, is maybe not going to be a, a star defenseman. I don't think he's going to be, you know, like Kale McCarr level, but I think he is going to be a very, very good defenseman on this team. I think he's probably going to be the best defenseman on this team in maybe five years time. Um, oh, wow. Which is, which is really exciting. Um, if you're looking for a guy that's like not on the team yet, but probably will make the team soon. 
Um, Clawson Coolermans is a really, really exciting player. He's kind of the, the first round draft pick that got forgotten about because the Blue Jackets had six of them over the past three drafts and everyone got <laughs> really excited about Johnson and Sillinger um, in 2020. Clawson Coolermans was the third first round draft pick that the Blue Jackets had um, in that season. So he kind of gets forgotten about because then obviously Juracek and Matejok get drafted next year, Adam Fantilli the year after that, and Corson Kuhlmans is over here. Like I think he was he was leading his team in scoring as a by defenseman in his freshman year and his sophomore year at, at um, Wisconsin. And he's a very raw player, I think. But to me, that's exciting because you can kind of look at what the Blue Jackets organization needs and then just like mold them into that you know right. so if you need an extra offensive defenseman you can probably make that course and coolman's into that do you need a defensive defenseman do you need a two-way guy do you need a stay-at-home guy like he, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities with with coolman's game and i think that's really exciting um we haven't talked about cole cylinder yet this season and we're gonna do that uh and we're gonna do some <laughs> mailback questions as well and all of that is coming up in the next segment but first this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. A new NHL season, which is what we're now in, brings all sorts of possibilities. Maybe a player on your team scores 50 goals, or you know your team, not mine, your team might uh, hoist the Stanley Cup. And you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports, and especially daily fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contexts. I personally, for me, I know we're all watching, you know, the players that were recently drafted, but I feel like I need to go to the tried and true players. Somebody like, I hate to say it, an Austin Matthews, somebody like Connor McDavid. Those are the types of players that, you know, I would consider a player to take to win a hundred times the money. And all any of us have to do is pick these players, record more or less their sleeper projections for anything like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, or more in any given game. And to win a 100-time bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Canadians fans and Blue Jackets fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, it's almost time for the mailbag and we're gonna do full disclosure. We're only gonna do select mailbag questions because there's a lot of them that are a little bit more Canadians focused. Um, and Scott and I will do them next week. Uh, we've got plenty of late night games. So we'll be doing a lot of late night mailbags. So make sure you catch all those episodes. There is a, I believe a Vegas game that's really late and a Coyotes game that's really late. And for whatever reason, they're in the middle of the week. So Brutal. either way, that's when we'll ask the bulk of the mailbag questions, but I think I want to talk real quick about Cole Cylinder. We've only got about seven minutes left of this episode, so we can't do an episode without talking about him. How's he doing? He is doing much better than he was last season. Um, I think last season he took a real knock to his confidence, um, has kind of built himself back up. He has started developing some really nice chemistry with Kent Johnson, which is very funny because I feel like they are just complete polar opposites in terms of like personality and um, things like that. So that's, that's fun. If they find them another winger that can click with those two, I think that, and that's the third line at the minute. Um, I think that's going to be a really sneakily underrated third line. Um, I don't 
believe he has a ton of points, but he has looked really, really good. Um, let me see if I can pull up his points real quick. Um, um, he, yeah, I, I, I like Cole Salinger a lot. I'm happy that he seems to have kind of figured it out. He's growing some truly awful facial hair at the minute, but like <laughs> he's, he's 20 years old, so I'll, I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> He has two assists in seven games so far, which doesn't sound great. But like I said, I think he's looked really great um, from like the neck down. Um, <laughs> but no, he's, <laughs> I, I think he's figured it out. I think last year was a real year. Like it's a sophomore slump, you know, sometimes it happens. And mm-hmm. I think he's come back this season ready to kind of forget that and to get on with being a player that, you know, the Blue Jackets picked at 12th overall. Right. And that was the thing, too, was that, like, I, I know that he's one of the players that you were most excited about and had, um, like, a lot of, like, had projected to with a high ceiling. Well, I've forgotten how to talk. Like, this is my job, and I can't talk. Um, this is one of my jobs, everybody. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, like, I, I feel like we were really, really excited about him. And then there were some issues last year. And I think this kind of ties into some of our mailback questions. We got Scott did an episode yesterday about Uri Slavkovsky and a lot of our mailback questions have to do with, with Slavkovsky. And most of it is people telling each other either to calm down or that they're not worried about Slavkovsky enough. Um, So I did kind of want to pick your brain on this a little bit because I feel like as a Habs fan, I have this inherent bias where I want to be, I want to be proven wrong. Like that was not the pick that I would have wanted. But if you look at the rest of that draft, I don't necessarily think that, you know, whoever it was, it, it was Shane Wright versus Uri Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky ended up going first. And then Shane Wright dropped to, I believe it was fourth or fifth and Seattle took him. I feel like Logan Cooley would have been the one. Like in hindsight, he's the one that I would have chosen. If that oh, makes for sense. Sure. But I think there's a lot of, and I've, this might be me just kind of seeing my little corner of, of Habs Twitter that I see, uh, because that's simply not my business. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of like revisionist history going on of, man, the Habs could have had Cooley and Mitchkov, and they're getting Slavkovsky and Reinbacher. And like, the Habs were never going to draft Logan Cooley. No one saw this coming from Logan Cooley. You know, like there was... There was nowhere. There was no way that the blue, that the the Canadians, excuse me, were going to take him. It was going to be Wright or Slavkovsky. And like, I personally liked Shane Wright a lot more. Um, I don't know how well that take has aged. Obviously, with Slavkovsky being in the NHL and Shane Wright in the AHL, but also not still, doing all that great. <laughs> extremely young players, both yeah. of them. You know, and I think what what I think you're going to get out of here is, and forgive me for trying to like predict the question, but like. I don't know that you're allowed to worry about a player's development until they've at least turned 21, you know? Yeah. Um, it's very much, and we we go through this as well, uh, like on in the Blue Jacket side of things. Of, there's Do a lot you... of talk about this player's a bust, this player's a bum, this player should never be in the NHL, and you look and they're like talking about a 22-year-old, you know? Right. Like, sure, there are some worrying signs in his game. Um, I didn't think Slavkovsky had a great game today. Uh, maybe that's just because I wasn't paying all that much attention to the Canadian no, side. No, he played of thing. better the previous game. I think it was. He was. He was. He was perfectly fine. He you was know, fine. He didn't have yeah, a bad he was game, fine. but he wasn't. You know, noticeable in the way that some players are. He wasn't uh, dominant, and I think that's what people keep waiting for. But I don't think he's being assigned dominant dominance assignments. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, 
I think his assignments are a little bit sh sheltered because I, I got into a lot of trouble saying that the Canadians were taking it slow. And they're like, what do you mean they're taking it slow? They put him in the NHL. And I think the assignments that he's being given, like to me, say that they're taking it very slow with him. But I think I think you're right, because what I wanted to ask you is like you have a very significant corner of Habs Twitter, like a very special, a highly specialized corner of Habs Twitter. It's like Twitter. four people. Yeah. Yeah. But like for me, like in terms of like the Columbus Blue Jackets fans, a lot of the times the ones that I encounter are the people leaving really mean messages in, in your show um, show comments. And I get really angry at them. Um, and, and, um, I, like, I'm curious, like, does this sky is falling thing happen with you guys as well? Oh, hundred percent. Uh, it happened with Cylinder last year when, you know, and last year was weird. And some things that happened were, I think, because Cole Cylinder probably got rushed to the NHL too early. You know, it's, he was 18. He was the youngest player in the NHL by like at least a year last, yeah. uh, in his rookie season, you know, probably he should have gone back to. WHL, the USHL, for whatever reason, they put him in the NHL because the team was terrible and they were like, hey, why not? Mm -hmm. um, last season, I think he struggled. He didn't get consistent ice time. He didn't get consistent line mates. Um, and I think, honestly, the most important thing at that age is more than more than assignments, more than like who your specific line mates are, but consistency is key for me. And he didn't get that. He was bounced up and down the lineup. He was bounced in and out of the lineup. Eventually got sent down to Cleveland where he finished the season. Um, he's kind of come back this training camp. I thought he looked good, but not great. Um, and then, yeah, he's had at least one consistent line mate for most of the season now. It's He's kind of been stuck. At, him and Johnson have kind of been stuck together. Because I think what Pascal Vincent, the head coach, is doing is building lines based on duos. So, like, mm -hmm. he's kind of stuck Goudreau and... Marchenko together, we stuck Fantilli and Line together, and then he's kind of building around that. For better or worse, Ken Johnson and Cole Sondra have been stuck together. Um, I'm going very long on this answer. I will wrap it up in just a minute. But um, <laughs> I think that's that for me is the thing that kind of I don't worry as much anymore because again, he's 20 years old, and just because he had one bad season, he had a he had a bad sophomore season. That's not a reason to, you know the sky is falling, throw the whole player in the bin and start again, you know? And I think there's kind of been a little bit of that with Slavkovsky last season when he went to the NHL and wasn't immediately dominant despite being a first overall pick, you know? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes and it doesn't. Look at Jack Hughes. Right. Jack Hughes had, what, 20 points in his rookie season? And now he's got 17 points in, what, six, seven games, you know? It goes back to what we were saying about Nick Suzuki. Some guys are slow starters. Some guys right. just take a little bit longer to bake. Like, I'm I'm not... I'm the opposite of worried about Slavkovsky. Is he going to be the dominant force that a lot of Canadians fans think he could be? Like, maybe not. But I think his ceiling is still high enough that, like, it's okay to chill out and wait for him to get better. And the other thing as well, like, one, one more thing. Um, the Canadians <laughs> are not going to be challenging for the Cup in at least a couple of seasons, right? So it's not like there's all this pressure that he needs to be ready now. He needs to go now. He needs to join this core and they can start pushing for the playoffs, you know? Right. He's he not the missing as the piece. Team grows. Yeah. He's not the missing piece. And it's not like the Canadians are not going to contend because he's not ready. Right. 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 And I really love that answer because like, I'm, 
I'm starting to get really influenced by just the discourse in general. And I'm mm-hmm. like, should I be worried? I keep saying we shouldn't be worried. And I'm like, should I be worried? Um, and I have one last question. It is a mailback question. It is specifically for you because you are based in the UK. Somebody's going, uh, I think it's Ryan Lee or our good friend Ryan Lee is going to the United Kingdom very soon and wants to know how to watch the NHL uh, from the UK. Uh, so the fun thing about the UK slash Europe is that NHL TV still exists. Um, I know that they've kind of killed it over in North America, but uh, I have NHL TV. That's how I watch. Um, also, you can get uh, a... I have a VPN for work, and so I can use that to access Hulu and ESPN. Um, so if you are a subscriber there, you can do that. Um, but yeah, if you want to just... Depending on how long you're there, just like get a free a free trial of NHL TV. I think they give you like a week free or whatever um or just get it for a month and then cancel it and you can watch all of the games to your heart's desire um and have a good time or not a good time depending on what canadians team you're watching (laughs) yeah i can say that because i've watched some miserable blue jackets games so like i get it house fans i really truly get it it's yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting season, I think. If if people just stop dying on the ice like that, I, that would make me happy. In the meantime, we are going to wrap this episode up. Jay, thank you so much for doing this crossover with me. Let's start with with the Blue Jackets show. Where can people find you? Uh yeah, I usually I do a bit about how I can't in good conscience recommend people paying attention to the Blue Jackets, but <laughs> we're doing okay at the minute. So, uh you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J A K O B F O R S T E R. You can find the show at LO underscore Blue Jackets on Twitter. We are wherever you listen to Locked On Canadians, uh, every podcast app you can think of. We're over on YouTube. We're on Sirius XM. And uh, how about you, Laura? Where can where can my wonderful Blue Jackets every day is uh, tune in for their Josh Anderson content? <laughs> I also cannot in good conscience recommend you follow the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. But if you want any Josh Anderson or Cole Caulfield, small goals boy content, uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, anywhere you find Locked on Blue Jackets as well as on YouTube. Uh, and we are on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find me at The Active Stick. And you, find my, you can find my co-host at Scott Matla. Uh, pretty much everywhere. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will both see you next time.